Hi, this is Bianca. And this is Anna. Your hosts of Girl Talk Monday's podcast, where we discuss the world of fashion, self-confidence, and everything in between. In this new series, we interview inspiring women making a mark in their fields. Whether that be business leaders, CEOs, marketeers, or entrepreneurs, we want to share their success stories with you. So welcome to Girl Talk Mondays. Mondays. In this week's episode, we are joined by guest Natalie Simon, social media editor at Harper's Bazaar, with an MA in journalism and a passion for fashion tech. Coming from a multicultural background, being both Brazilian and British, she has built an impressive career attending Front Row at Fashion Week, traveling the globe on press trips, and interviewing key industry experts. As well as editor, Natalie also writes for her own column, The Modems, and shares her fashion, beauty, and tech tips over on her growing Instagram. So tune in as we discuss what it's like to work for an iconic magazine such as Harper's. Her go-to apps and advice for those looking to break into the industry at a time like this. Thank you so much, Natalie, for joining us today from your home. Thank you for having me. So let's start with the question, what made you decide to work in the fashion industry and in journalism in particular? So it kind of happened by, almost by accident, but I was, um, my first job out of uni, so I did politics um, at Southampton University, and I remember coming out, and it was, you know, sort of 2008, nine. it was sort of like the height of um, when people just could not get jobs, it was like the first recession, I know we might be going into another one. It was really tough, and I remember the only job I could get was in recruitment, and I did that for three months, and I was the worst recruitment consult whatever like in the history like I was just not good at um, being pushy I really hated the job and I it just made me realize like okay I need to do something I enjoy doing like I, I don't care what it is but I have to do something I enjoy and I wasn't motivated by you know finance anymore I was I was just like okay I, I want to get a job that I enjoy um and I remember actually originally thinking oh I'd really like to go into sort of journalism but more radio broadcast so I was thinking of you know I was I did I had done politics, so I thought you know CNN that kind of BBC journalism. So I did um, I took a master's at City University in London for a year, and um, after that I got really inter- interested in the digital part of my master's. So like online magazines, and I sort of was like, oh maybe that's something I'm more interested in. So I mean, luckily the the master's was in journalism, so it sort of taught you everything. But I ended up. Uh, getting, you know, pretty much my first social media job at Evening Standard magazine and just completely falling in love with that world. I'd always been interested in fashion anyways. I just, I had, you know, your typical uh, parents, my mother's Brazilian and, you know, quite strict and were like, oh no, but you have to follow, you know, this kind of career path. I never even considered a career in fashion because I thought, okay, well, you know, that's obviously, people don't really get jobs in fashion. It was like, I had no really clue about um, this world, even though it was something I was really interested in, I just thought I could never get a job in it. And then I ended up at Evening Standard and, you know, just fell in love with writing. I fell in love with, like, that whole editorial side of working digital. And the nice thing about being able to do something digital is you kind of merge and blend all those fields of expertise. So, you know, like, what I learned on my master's about journalism really tied into doing the social media there. And, um, yeah, that's how I got into it. Where are you from, actually? Because you're Brazilian, right? Yeah, so my mom is from Brazil and my dad's from England. And then I grew up in, in South America. I grew up in Venezuela. And then I moved here for boarding school when I was 14. So. 
I see you've been in London for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. London is home. London's home now. I love that. I absolutely love London, and it's just—it's really funny because I meet a lot of people who are similar to me. They grew up, you know, their parents were traveling a lot, and they haven't really, you know, found a base. Whereas I'm like a hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree with you because I'm a bit. I think all three of us are quite similar in that we grew up with like international (laughs) backgrounds. Like me from Paris, mom's American, moved to London, and it's just been like now I feel like London is really my home. It's such a great place, especially for our industries too. I know, and that's the thing. I used to get so annoyed because people would always be like, "What? What is your accent?" And I was like, "I don't even know." Yeah, it's like a big mix. It's true. (laughs) Yeah, because my one of my best friends in Paris is Brazilian, but she doesn't have like she really has the Brazilian accent but yours is a big yeah. mix you yeah you can't I don't think you can tell it all but you'll say like even when I speak Portuguese they're like you don't sound Brazilian yeah sound <laughs> like 100% English I'm like I oh. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> take a wild guess yeah <laughs> that's what I always say yeah, take a guess. Okay, so, well, I remember for me, actually, working in the fashion industry, similar to what you said, it was always, like, a dream career of mine, and I always wanted to be either, like, an editor for the likes of Vogue or a fashion designer, but I never really knew, like, what it would be like if that was realistic. That was just what I dreamed about since I was really young. So you've achieved that kind of, like, idealistic job that I know a lot of, like, younger girls really want to be into and it is like a really really competitive industry at the same time can you talk us through what is it like being an editor for such an iconic fashion magazine like harper's well i mean i actually do remember you know when i first came out of my master's and i was trying to get internships because i I realized i was like you know this is what i'm passionate about and i remember finding it really really hard to get internships i didn't know anyone i didn't have family here i didn't have like an aunt who worked in the industry or, you know, a godparent that could help me. And I know um, it's easier to get fashion internships now. It's a lot more, um, I say, it's a lot more democratic now than I, I've seen yeah. before. Different backgrounds getting internships, which I think is really important because before it was, you know, it was always a certain type of person that would get the internships and um, they, they knew somebody or they had some sort of connection. Um, so it's very competitive. But I'd say um, one of the funny things is um, working somewhere like Harper's Bazaar is, you always go into it, um, and you know, this was my first big magazine that I'd worked at after Anything Standard, and you, you watch the film Double Wears Prada, and you think, okay, so everyone's going to run around in high heels, and people are going to be catty, and it's not like that at all. I mean, it's competitive in terms of the fact that people work really hard to get those jobs, so they're very good at what they do, and they have immense knowledge of what they do. I mean, I'm really blessed that I get to work with editors, like, I worked under the tenure of Justine Picardy and you know she's amazing what she did and now Lydia Slater and I mean some of the best writers in the world are at Bazaar so that is an incredible sort of thing to be around but yeah it's uh it's not it's not how it's portrayed in films like everyone is actually very friendly the teams are amazing people go out for work drinks and I think um you know like people from the outside looking in I understand because like a lot of people are like wow it's my dream to work for fashion magazine I remember watching films when I was younger what's that one uh 13 going on 30 where she works at a fashion oh, yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, no I'd say that it's it is a wonder uh, the thing I love about the fashion industry it's just such a wonderful industry especially for women it's very you know inclusive women move up very quickly um, in their roles and also it's it's very fun it's a really fun job like you're working with interesting people you're working with creators like-minded people for people who are trying to get into it I just say the internships are a really good place to start but I know it's it's so competitive and it's really hard to get those spots but definitely like you know, pursuing education, get for me getting my uh, master's in journalism was definitely a foot in the door because I didn't know mm-hmm. anyone. 
Exactly. I think when I came to London as well, like a big thing was that I started my blog before going into work or realizing I wanted to do social media, anything like that, because I knew if I didn't have the contacts, even graduating from a fashion school, it would be difficult to get a job. So like I always knew you needed to yeah. network and it is hard to meet people and these spots are really limited. Like there could be, it could be months before a spot is available. Yeah. Yeah. I think every, I mean, almost every industry that I know of has the exact same sort of competition. You know, if you wanted to be an actor, you know, you have to audition mm -hmm. months and at least in fashion, you know, if you are talented, eventually you will get recognized, you know, and it doesn't have to be a fashion magazine. There's a lot of other jobs in the fashion industry, mm -hmm. um, which are available, you know, even like the British Fashion Council. It's like, you think, because that's the thing I wasn't, um, I like to illustrate, but you know, I, I'm not a designer, of, of course, um, but that doesn't mean that the fashion industry is close to me. It's like, you know, my, my expertise and what I was interested in was digital media. And I kind of managed to work that career into eventually having, you know, my dream job at Harper's. So it's possible. So as well as being a, a social media editor at Harper's, you have your own platform called The Modems. I don't know if I said that right, but I hope so. <laughs> um, where you write about technology um, and stories within the fashion, beauty and wellness industries. And you also have a growing audience on Instagram. So we were kind of wondering how you balance everything and why you decided um, to start a tech column on your own. So I was always really interested in social media and social media trends, obviously being a social media editor. And I kind of found it was one of these spaces where it wasn't really getting covered by, you know, wired.com. It wasn't really getting covered by TechCrunch. They were covering these big tech stories. But, you know, my friends, for example, were interested, like, why did, um, why did Ariana Grande lose a million followers in a day or Selena Gomez? You know, those are the kind of stories that I was interested in. And I was really interested in picking apart, like, the nuances of social media. Like, everyone wants to know how the Instagram algorithm works at the moment, not just influencers. You know, brands want to know this information. So I actually started off by sharing my app tips on my Instagram and that's kind of how I actually grew my Instagram um, because at the time this is when I'm still at Open Standard at the time everybody was using Kira Kira which is this app which makes your uh, sparkles yes <laughs> sparkles everywhere sparkly everyone was crazy about it and I saw a lot of influencers using it but people weren't tagging Kira Kira you might have not even been able to tag or have stories at the time so I was kind of like, why are people, you know, writing about this or sharing this? Because obviously, you know, it's not just influencers who want to use this um, this app. It's like normal people want to be like, how did you do that? So I just put, you know, oh, this is how you do it. Use Kira Kira app, download it on the app store, hashtag Nat's app tips. And then people started messaging me, being like, oh, what app do I use for this? And what app do I use for this? And and then it sort of grew from there when I was like, oh, well, maybe, you know, other stories might interest, or interest people, not just apps for Instagram, but maybe... People want to know how to do other things. And now, you know, the way it's evolved is people use their mobile phone for absolutely everything. Um, and I was also always, even from a young age, I was really interested in how things work. Like, my my father and I used to build go-karts when I was younger. And, like, oh, build, wow. we used to build remote control cars. So I was, he he really thought I was going to be an engineer. Like, he was like, I wasn't going to have a fan. Totally different yeah. field there. I mean, like, he was like, I was like, you know, I had to put all the, I was super girly, I was always really girly girl, but I, like, I had to have Lego, I had to have Hot Wheels, I had to like play with all of the machines. He was like, you're the only person that would like make a Kinder Egg, take it apart, and then put it together like 10 more times. He was literally like, because you're just so fascinated with how things are put together. So I think that's like, I was always really interested in like, and gadgets, but you know, being really girly, it's like, there wasn't a lot out there that sort of appealed to me other than like, 
fashion tech, beauty gadgets, that's when I started to be like, okay, maybe this is something I should I should also put on, on my Instagram. Uh, and I guess because it was a little bit different, it was easier to grow my account and not many not many women that I know of um, are talking about that kind of thing. But but as I've talked about it more, I found that my audience has grown and, and people have got more interested in it. And I did a poll on my story the other day being like, you know, what kind of, do you think I'm putting too much tech on my account? Because I was worried because I do put a lot of pictures of myself and in outfits and like nice outfits. I'm like, maybe I'm just boring people with this tech stuff. And every single reply was like, no, keep going. I'm really, I'm really interested in the app roundup. So that made me feel better. Like, okay, I'm actually going in the right direction, this kind of thing. And, and people and people like to know what's out there and what new cool tech trends are out there and what social media trends are out there and what apps they should be using. So that's, that's been great. Yeah, I think you found a really great really niche, especially like, yeah, being yeah. in social media. There are so many people doing the same thing, but you found a niche. Like not only do you share like your outfits, your sense of fashion, you incorporate a bit of everything, like your, you know, your job, what does it consist of? And then these tips, it's something really like unique. And then you have your own hashtag as well. I love that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, somebody sent me a handbag, uh, Bon Bon Morocco sent me a hash, uh, bag that said hashtag Matt's app tips. And I was like, okay, I've officially made it. I don't need yeah. it. <laughs> 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 I'm bag with my hashtag on um, so I think balancing, balancing the three worlds, it is very time consuming. Like, I don't know one. I, I actually get very upset when people like bash influencers because there's a lot of like influence, influencer bashing. I'm like, I don't know harder working. Honestly, I started off just as a journalist, seeing and then trying to grow my Instagram account um, because it was something I was passionate about. I just realized how much hard work it is, how um, you have to have an amazing eye, and you have to have great taste to make sure all your photos look a certain way. It's it's not easy. And I really get, I, I actually get really upset when people are like oh, influencers because, you know, people like to put people down who are, you know, showing themselves off on social media. I, I understand it, but it, at the same time, I'm like, I don't think you realize that to take these pictures and to keep people inspired. I mean, now more than ever, people are looking on Instagram and I, I don't want influencers to stop posting at all. It's like, I want content that is uplifting. I want content that's inspirational. I want content that's useful. But yeah, I've, I found it really, I don't want to say difficult to, to do the three because I've, I've managed to do it, but I will say it is time consuming and I actually do have time in my on my weekends. I'm like, okay, these three hours are going to the modems. Uh, this one hour is going to, you know, taking a photo yeah. I've got something on my Instagram and it's it's really planned out and it's sort of I'm not ashamed of saying that because I think if you're doing anything well you have to put time into it invest in it and um you know you can't just be like oh I might do this and hopefully it'll work out I really really care about my website and I really want it to I really want to make sure it's the best it can be that being said I mean Bazaar is a full-time job and um it would be great to have more time more hours in the day yeah, you can never have um, enough hours in the day yeah I'm <laughs> I'm just trying my best to uh, manage the three, but what I found helps is just carving out, even if it's three hours on a Sunday, you know, just be like, okay, I'm going to spend these three hours on my other passion project. You know what? Yeah. I completely feel exactly. the same as you, and I struggled with this, like, at one point, because I did the opposite. So, like, whereas you started working your full-time job, and then you, like, branched out into social media and your own website... I started with my own blog and my social media and then started a full-time job in buying. Um, and so then I found it really difficult because I was also living at the time with my old partner. And actually, it was really like detrimental almost on our relationship, the fact that I had no free time on my weekends because I, I needed to do that for my personal work as well. So I don't know if you feel the same, but like, how is it working for you? Because you're engaged, you're getting married soon. Um, how are you like 
managing everything, doing the three jobs, and then having a really healthy, happy relationship? I would say um, we've had some more time for our wedding planning now because uh, our wedding was actually meant to be May 30th, but it got pushed back because of um, what's happened with um, travel restrictions on coronavirus. And I mean, that was a very difficult decision. Yeah, I'm so sorry about that. No, thank you. Um, But I will say it helps having a partner who is equally busy. (laughs) (laughs) My fiance, actually, for the first year and a half of our relationship, I practically did not see him because he was running his own business, which he's now sold called Dog Buddy, and he sold it to a company called Rover. So it was a very cute dog sitting app, which I know is very ironic because I also write about apps. Yeah, um, that's cute. <laughs> so um, he, he was, um, you know, if, if you run your, you're never busier than when you run your own business and he was mm. running his own business um, pretty much for the first year and a half, two years of our relationship. So he didn't mind that I was equally busy. Um, and now, you know, he started a new venture. So he's still super busy. Um, so, you know, when I do have to work three or four hours a weekend, he doesn't mind at all. He's like, this is my time to he, he'll just be like, okay, great, now I can write emails. And most of the time it's me being like, you, you're too busy or, you know, so so that's really good. I think it helps when you're both. And I think one of the things that keeps our relationship strong is that we're both very career motivated. Mm-hmm. You know, we're both equally ambitious. And I think I couldn't be with someone who wasn't like that. Actually, my, my last partner wasn't as career focused. And that was, a, that was very, very difficult because it was like, I just felt like I was doing so much work and I was like, I'm doing this and I'm trying to sort of personal life. You know, women are, we're great at multitasking, which is, you know, it's a terrible cliche, but it's like, I was like, wait, I'm doing all this and I'm still buying the cinema tickets, you know, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, whereas with Richard, it's like, I've never had to say like, can you put your laundry in the laundry basket? Like he just does it because he's equally busy and he's uh, a very motivated person. So that's definitely helped our relationship. Um, and I'm super grateful that because you know we've never really had any problems I mean the one thing I will say is he hates taking photos of me so that's yeah, yeah that's a common yeah. problem <laughs> <Doesn't always. laughs> but what I realized is um but you know what you, you cannot force someone to do something like that if they're not into it like you either get a boyfriend who's a photographer or make friends and uh, yeah, yeah. have friends with photographers because like that is the yeah. I think that's the one biggest thing that we argue about because I'll be like please can I have can you take a photo of me in the garden he's like no yeah, Boys I totally feel you. Yeah. I don't understand. It needs to be perfect. It needs to be perfect. Yeah, but that's the thing. When you get a career-motivated boyfriend, husband, they're not meant yeah. to be your photographer. Like, I think that's no, what you also, that. like, <laughs> need to know. <laughs> you cannot have it all. It no. For not being an excellent photographer. And I'm just like, sometimes I'm just like, why would you put the drain in the photo? Like, you, like why yeah. would you what? <laughs> How would you? Like, I'm not. A, and he's just saying to me. He says to me the whole time. It's like I'm not a photographer. He's like they don't think about it. <laughs> They're like, let's just get this done. They don't think about yeah. it. Yeah, I'd say those the only those are the only big arguments you had in our relationship. But actually, he's been pretty good in quarantine. Like I've been like, please see you, and he realizes that nobody else can take the photo for me. It has to be him. So he's been yeah. where he's been like, okay, I'll come outside and take a photo of you. Um, nice. so that's been quite nice and, and actually you know what since I started doing the tech stuff I think because it's something that he's interested in he's found it so a much more sort of interesting for himself because before it was just like oh my god what are you doing taking it out for photos you know when I talk about tech and gadgets he's so much more interested mm-hmm. he's like what does that do um, so that's been nice, it's been been really nice. We, have a, yeah. we have a really good relationship and despite everything that's been going on with that 
having to change our wedding and stuff, we've kind of um, been pretty, It's we've been pretty relaxed about it and not had many fights about that. So that's been quite nice. We've just been like, okay, well, this is the situation. Thousands of other couples are in the same situation as us. Let's just deal with it. And he's uh, he's been very positive, so that's helped a lot. Yeah, I think you just have, in these kind of situations, you can't control it, unfortunately. And it, it is, like, yeah. really disheartening. But then you know that you will have it eventually, and you're still together, and then that's what exactly. matters at the end I mean, of the day. I mean, there's so many there's so many more horrible things going on at the moment. I mean, at first, I'm not supposed to be like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? This is the worst thing ever that's ever happened. And he's like, okay, calm down. Like... <laughs> Let's, uh, let's look at the positive side of things and you know like and obviously you know safety of, of people and your friends and your family comes first mm-hmm. you know and we just couldn't do it we could not do it in May even if they lifted the, the thing is everyone's like a, a, we were pretty much split with our friends some of our friends are like you should just go ahead because I'm sure the travel restrictions will be lifted by then so you know you'll kind of make a good deal of nothing and then some of our other friends are like no you should just move it to feel more relaxed and I just yeah. thought they lift travel restrictions I will not feel comfortable asking my friends to travel when there's still this kind of uncertainty going around, you know, mm-hmm. so I'd much rather I think it was the yeah, smart decision. You don't want decision. people to be nervous. Yeah. No, yeah. you don't. No, you don't. But also, like, I understand that some people that just can't have been able to change it because their venues won't allow them. We were very lucky. Our venue was really understanding and just let us change. That's great. Okay, going back to your career a little bit. <laughs> um, we wanted to ask you what you think the highlight of your career has been so far and when was a moment that you really felt, I've made it? I think one of the best moments to me, it was actually at Evening Standard, I got asked to do a an interview for our so it was for the website so it's for all the digital channels and it was with um slickwoods who's this amazing emerging model who started the fenton campaign and it was my first it was my first business trip you know work trip abroad and i got sent to new york with a fashion team to interview her and i just remember thinking like i am so lucky to be in this position and this is literally like you know my dream like i'm on a fashion shoot i'm in new york i'm interviewing someone you know, and it's just me and the camera person, and I got to write the questions, and I got to edit the video, and for me, that was, like, that was probably one of my career highlights. I've got another memorable career um, thing that happened, actually, which was, I remember I was going, I was backstage to interview Nicholas Kirkwood at his show. This was a couple of fashion weeks ago. It was for, again, it was for our social media platforms, and um, I won't say who it was, because I don't want to embarrass her, even though she didn't do anything wrong whatsoever. Um, very very famous um, stylist who is um, styling behind the scenes for his show thought I was like an assistant because I was wearing all black and normally like if you see editors they're all you know they're dressed up all like amazing but I was like I knew that I was running to so many interviews I just wore like black biker boots black leather jeans and uh, you know like a a black jumper so I I really looked like I was working um, backstage and she was she just looks at me and I'm waiting for my interview with Nicholas and she's just like what are you doing? Like, you need to get up. You need to help. Um, the mom wants to be dressed. And I didn't know what to do because I was like, I'm not just going to sit here and be like, no, I'm actually here to interview Nicholas. And I knew I had half an hour. So I was like, okay, I'll just help her. So <laughs> I love it. Like five models and like just like taping people up. And then at the end, somebody was like, oh, that's actually Natalie from, from the magazine. And oh she was God. like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm an assistant. Why didn't you say anything? But I was sort of like, this is like I've never you know I've never asked a model backstage so like you know let's see how this goes and yeah. <laughs> I love that you adapted 
I was just like helping the girls get into shoes, like, and I was just like, well, it's a very, if you've been backstage at fashion show, it's very, um, it's a very stressful environment, and like they need as many hands as they can get, and I, I was kind of bored because I was just waiting for Nicholas to be done. Um, so that was like for me, that was another like really fun sort of fashion industry moment where I was like, oh my god, this is just so funny, and I cannot believe I'm like helping this like world famous stylist like style all these models, and that this is just happening. This is just so weird. <laughs> But you know what? I think it's really representative of like the industry and how much you love it. Because if you're really passionate about your job, everyone always goes above and beyond. And those are the people that really make it later on. Because at the end of the day, an industry is like a big community. And you help people out, they'll help you out. It's kind of like that. So I feel like it's so nice that you had that kind of attitude, whereas you were not stuck up thinking like, no, I'm here for my interview with the designer, not my actually. Job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. you really went above and beyond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's really hard to say no when that position. <laughs> I would give myself too much credit. I was like, okay, because I was like, all right. <laughs> like, okay, I feel like I have to now. I'm just saying <laughs> it. I just, um, you have so many amazing moments like that at work where you just, you're like, I'm really lucky just to be here. And I know that, you know, if you told me when I was 14, like, you'll be sitting, you know, front row at a fashion show or you'll even backstage at a fashion show. I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah, it feels unreal. So I feel super lucky all the time. I feel lucky all the time. That's amazing. Okay, so as your role is specifically social media and digital related, do you believe this will be the future for all traditional magazines, especially in a time like this where social media has like either not changed or it has gone even higher in terms of readership? So yeah, how has this impacted you and your day-to-day -day job and how do you feel like social media will evolve after the lockdown is finished? So I think one of the biggest effects of this lockdown is the move to online. So people um, who were never shopping online before are now starting to take all of their purchases online. So, you know, beforehand, for example, you know, my mother would have never shopped online, even though she's perfectly capable of doing it, you know, she would have just, it's not, uh, it's not something she's used to, so it's not her custom. And now uh, that she's had to shop online, she's, she's realized it's very easy. And she's like, okay, so I think a lot of people are going to move to digital and digital platforms and to consuming media digitally. And I think Amazon, for example, I mean, they have had to apparently hire an entire new warehouse and, and new workers. So many people are now ordering um, the items from Amazon. So I think that we're going to see a huge digital shift. In terms of magazines, magazines have been um, paying a lot more attention to the digital platforms anyways. So I think things have been moving in that direction. I mean, I've always worked on the digital side of magazines. So in terms of this pandemic, I haven't seen a difference in my work, but I've only seen an increase, you know, people, because more people are spending time online and people want more from, from social media. Um, so in that sense, it's been, it's been interesting to just see how many people take to social media more and more people doing lives, more people getting creative um, on social media. I mean, I still love a print magazine and I still love subscribing to a magazine, not just having it digitally. But, you know, there is something amazing about... Uh, I remember my Kindle when I first got it, I was like, I'll never use this, I'll probably still, you know, buy books. But now that I haven't been able to leave my house, I'm like, thank God Kindle because I've been able to just download books. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you know, digital, it's one of those things where it's it's so fast moving and it, it really does place all of these assets in like the palm of your hand. And I also think it's great for, you know, the elderly, disabled, if you, you know, you couldn't access a store to buy something, you know, you can get uh, an iPad version or you can have the Kindle version or you, know, you can see it on your mobile phone and I think that's really great and it's it's been a really great way of connecting people and I think 
people always sort of, a lot of people sort of trash social media like, oh, it's making us really disconnected. But I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I've been on house party with my friends every day <laughs> connecting. Um, so I do think that's sort of the beauty of having this kind of digital landscape. Now, I don't think people should rely solely on digital to, you know, make connections and, and do things. But I do think it, it's helpful that so many more people who didn't know how to use digital before access it or weren't familiar with it are now um, going to become a lot more comfortable with doing it. Mm-hmm. So kind of tying into that, um, can you recommend some of your favorite apps or gadgets that people can use now during quarantine? Oh my god, yes. I have so many. Yeah. <laughs> there's been so many. Actually, I've been asked for so many recommendations. Um, and there's been so many that I've really sort of enjoyed using in the past couple of days. So one of them has been, um, I've got really into workouts. So I was a sort of person before, like, I had to go to a gym class because I just need an instructor to tell me what to do. But sometimes, you know, like if you're maybe you don't want to tune into a live because it's not at the right time for you. So there's my favorite fitness app at the moment is seven minute workout. And I actually wrote about this one on Bazaar because I did a roundup of my seven favorite um, workout apps. But this one is like my absolute like must do workout app. So it's a seven minute workout which um, has been scientifically proven to kind of give you the benefits of a one-hour workout, but in seven minutes. Oh, and I have to write all this down. You have yeah, to. I mean, we have to I, check that out. It has changed my life. Because like, I'm, you know, it's really easy to get lazy and, like, unmotivated, especially especially yeah. now. You know, it's hard to find motivation. So if you know that it's only a seven-minute workout, you're like, I can do seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Anyone can do mm-hmm. them. Um, no you don't need any equipment. You don't need any equipment at all. If you don't have a... You might need a yoga mat, but I mean, you can put a towel down. Like, you really don't need anything. So it's just a series of workouts. And then the other one I've been really enjoying in terms of workout apps is there's this new app I found last week called Daily Butt Workout. <laughs> oh, nice. I think um, we all need a bit of, like, a booty lift. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some body, but, um, yeah, so it gives you, like, a series. So you can choose between a five-minute, an eight-minute, or a ten-minute workout. And it's just bum exercises. And again, you don't really need any equipment to do it. Um, so it's great if you're, you know, in a small flat or, you know, you're stuck at home and you can't get to a gym, which I'm sure most people can't at the moment. So I've found those two apps, like, absolutely life-changing. Those sound really then, good. Yeah, and then in terms of, like, other ones I've been using a lot, House Party, which I mentioned, I've been using to connect with friends. And there's actually a story I wrote about on, on my website, Modems, because there were these WhatsApps going around that house party had been hacking into people's accounts. And I remember thinking, like, this is a bit strange because house party is actually owned by Epic Games who make Fortnite and make Assassin's Creed. And I was kind of like, Fortnite is the biggest, you know, it's the biggest mobile game, like, in the world right now. So if anything would have been hacked, it would have been one of these, not house party. But anyways, so now they're kind of launching an investigation because they think they've been part of a smear campaign, which is which is pretty nuts. So I people keep asking me on on Instagram like, is it is it safe to download house party? I'm like, yes, it's absolutely safe. Like they're literally paying lots of money for lawyers to look into the fact that they've been targeted unfairly. So I'd say if you want to connect with friends, house party obviously Zoom is a great one which we're using now. And um, I've actually. The, the whole anxiety thing, I, I remember I was getting really sort of anxious around the time of uh, postponing my wedding, so I re-downloaded Metatopia. Metatopia is amazing, it gives you like meditations uh, which are guided, because I, I really feel like there's always so much in my head and I really need somebody to tell me exactly what I'm doing, so like breathe in for five, you know, breathe out, hold your breath, mm-hmm. so you can choose from hundreds of different ones, so you can choose from like sleep meditations to like help you get to sleep at night, you can choose like alertness one that you do first thing in the day 
I absolutely love it. I think that's so great because especially during this time, I know a lot of people are really anxious and stressed no matter yeah. what. Like the situation, some people are working at home with loads of kids. Some people live like in a small place with their with their partner. Some people are alone. It's just a, or like, you know, who knows what could happen with everyone's personal life and families. And this is a really difficult yeah. time for a lot of people. I, so. I, really feel for, I really feel for people who are, you know, like finding it tough. I think everyone's finding it very tough right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then in terms of gadgets that I've liked, I mean, I've sort of had time, which has been quite nice. Um, the, the nice thing about working from home and having all this time at home is I've kind of rediscovered all of my favorite app, like beauty gadgets that I, you know, had been like languishing in my cupboards because I just hadn't had time to properly use them. And so I've been using the Nurse Jamie facial triangle a lot. So it's like a, get like these sonic pulses and it kind of, it lifts your cheekbones. The sort of effects that That's you get. Um, I've been really enjoying that, and uh, Foreo, which is this amazing Swedish beauty tech company. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it. Yes, I like a lot of people. Really like, good. And I've started using their UFO, which I've never really uh, used. I've, I've used their facial cleanser, but not the UFO. I've been really enjoying that, because there is nothing nicer, I think, now than just being like, okay, well, now I really have half an hour to spend on my beauty routine. I've actually got yeah. half an hour to spend on skincare every night, so like putting a face mask on at night has really helped. Yeah, really taking care of yourself. Yeah, I've spent more time with my skincare too. Okay, lastly, is there any advice, especially during these times where I know a lot of um, students coming out of university or people looking to like work into the fashion industry are quite uncertain about the future of what it's going to look like. Um, So is there any advice from you for those wanting to get into fashion journalism or social media editing? It's um, it's interesting because I've actually gotten a few CVs um, from people this month and it's, I cannot imagine how tough it is just recently graduating or about to graduate, starting to apply for internships and obviously magazines at the moment are, you know, very difficult time in terms of the fact that it's a difficult time for every industry, not just fashion industry. But obviously we're affected by seasons and we're affected by um, production, factories that are closed down. I mean, my, my advice would be apply for digital internships would probably be more likely than print internships at the moment. Even if it's just like, hey, I can help you write articles. And I would say send your CV out to as many places as possible. But also this is a this is a particularly tough time if you're trying to break into the fashion industry because so many editors are very busy with like all of the concerns that we all have at the moment. But I'd say, you know, hold in there, get try to get more experience in different ways. Like even if it's um, you know, growing your Instagram or just doing research, like find out what, use this time to, you know, find out what part of the fashion industry you're really interested in. Let's say, um, you know, you want to do design, like you could do an online embroidery course, or let's say you are interested in digital, like there's so many great um, social media courses online that you can do where, you know, you'll be giving yourself that extra experience, learning more, and then when you apply, you'll be like, oh, and I did also have been learning how to do this, and I also have this expertise because... At the moment, if you can't secure an internship, I'd say try to grow in other ways. Try to, you know, better yourself by doing as much as you can and learning as much as you can if you can't get an internship, you know? And also, like, you know, take the time to sort of perfect your CV and make sure, like, okay, have I written the best possible things so that when things do open up, you're at the top of people's minds. And also, I'd say, you know, contact people offer to take, when things do clear up, contact people, offer to take people coffee, pick people's brains, Tell them what you want to do and, and what you're about. And I found that in all of the magazines I've worked at, like all of our best interns, the people that worked the hardest, really 
really did get recognized, like the people that worked hard and were positive. And so, you know, once you get in that position, it is easier than you think to get a job after. I, I do appreciate it. it's really difficult at the moment. Um, it's it's really tough, but definitely, you know, try to use this time to kind of, you know, gain an extra skill set, learn a new language. You know, if you want to work in fashion, you know, start using Babbel or uh, Duolingo to learn a person. You know, yeah, exactly. Language. Like, okay, well, I can't do anything. I can't fly, but maybe you know, you can learn some basic French in the next two months, and then you'll be in a really good position to work in the fashion mm-hmm. industry. Yeah. No, I think that's really good and valuable, invaluable advice. Um, so, on that note, we're going to end with the interview. And thanks so much, Natalie, for joining us. Uh, for anyone listening, okay. where can they find you? Okay, so I'm at Natalie Salmon on Instagram, and you can follow my website at the Modems or www.themodems.com. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.